Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Another interesting market trading day. We're going to talk about how really dollar down gold was on fire. Uh, what's going on with this market? And, and Alan Brugler, by the way, joins us with Brugler Marketing and Management. And he brought up an interesting point that we're going to talk about when it comes to trade fundamentals and what we're seeing from an agricultural perspective. We'll also look at this drought monitor. Markets really don't seem to care at this point what's going on with that information. We'll talk more about that and a whole lot more as we look at a trade. Uh, quickly, as I bring up the screen here to let you know, we saw lower corn. It was mixed on the soybeans today. Wheat definitely took a drop. Flip the page to the livestock side. Mixed market for the cattle lower on the hogs. And as I mentioned, Alan Brugler joins us today. So, Alan, as we kind of take a look at the market, let's start at the outsides. Let's look at what's going on with the gold and definitely seeing some some trade action for them today. Yeah, that's a that's a reverse function there because the dollar was down today. It, it was uh, down 525 t- points, uh, just a little over 100.7 on the index. And typically when the dollar's weak, you're going to see a rise in gold, a rise in Bitcoin. And uh, we saw those in spades today. You saw gold up $33. You saw the, the Bitcoin up 600 and some dollars per each. So it's basically a weak dollar play uh the the confusing part was it didn't it didn't spill over into the commodities typically commodities would gain on a weak dollar and uh, that that really with the exception of beans really wasn't happening today the dollar we saw that down as you, as you mentioned as well this has been an ebb and flow of obviously will affect the way we see the export numbers trade but what are your thoughts on this and how it's going to have an effect on the ag trade well <clears throat> Again, a weaker dollar typically would mean uh, higher dollar. You know, it, it takes more dollars to to buy the same amount of value. So, regardless of fundamentals, if you have a weaker dollar, you typically would see higher dollars per per commodity per bushel. Uh, what we uh, are wrestling with here, I think, is is what's the Fed going to do about it? If the Fed raises rates, typically that would firm up the dollar. Uh, if you're getting inflation, the Fed's going to raise rates. Well, of course, the inflation news was that the CPI was down, but the, that the core CPI, the X food and energy, was up. And uh, that, would, to me, says they need to raise rates again. And this, this, the weakness in the dollar is probably temporary. But uh, stock market liked it today. And uh, the money flow was going away from commodities and toward, toward the, the, the gold and the equities. And you made an interesting point about us wanting to see the markets trade on the fundamental side of it from an agricultural perspective. And there is a lot of that moving from one entity to another when it comes to trading, just trying to make that better profit. Yeah, we'd like to think that, that the, the markets, are, the ag markets are very rational. They're supply and demand oriented. And, you know, if you have a, a, a tighter ending stocks number, prices are going to go up. And if it's a looser stocks number, they're going to go down. But it's it's much, much more complicated than that. And the uh, You've got uh, you're in the middle of the Goldman roll. You know, the the big index funds are that buy t- baskets of 24 to 36 commodities at a shot uh, are all rolling out of their May positions right now into either July or, or the the fall months, November, December, and uh, what that just complicates things too, because they don't care what that individual commodity is doing. Their, their, their bylaws say between the fifth and the ninth trading day of the month, I've got to roll out my positions, my long positions, out of the, the front month into the next month out. And I don't care if it's bullish or bearish. I've got to, got to move the money. What are we seeing uh, 
on the friendliness for corn. Are you still friendly with corn, considering the, the trading environment we're in right now? Yeah, I'm, I'm still friendly old crop corn. I think we've got several things going for us there. We've got uh, the grain stocks report showed us that the the off farm inventories were down about ten percent year over year. On farm inventories were up. Yes, that means farmers got to sell, but it also means that it, that the the industry doesn't have a lot of ownership. And we we had China come in and buy that hundred. 29 million bushels of corn in a couple of week period. That's all got to be shipped before August. Uh, it was those were old crop purchases, so that's that's a uh, I think a, a positive for cash corn demand. And so either the board's going to go up front front month, the old crop board's going to go up, or your basis is going to have to firm quite a bit. Uh, now there's a there's a weak spot in that argument, and that is that, that Chinese buying still only about a quarter of what we need to see in the in second or excuse me third quarter shipments. So, yeah, we need some other sales to happen too. But again, I like the setup that the 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 industry is a little light on ownership, and they've got a big export program to fill. Uh, if we get the uh, gasoline consumption up and the ethanol consumption up a little bit at the same time, I think that that's a good recipe for a, a, a well-supported old crop. New crop is is more a function of what do you think the acreage is going to be. And uh, December corn's been a little soft here. I think the the problem is the snow was melting faster than some people thought it would, and therefore some of the late planting stories are are under under question right now. And so. You're, you're taking a little weather premium out of these right now. So from a soybean perspective, then, are they going to have to work a little harder on this new crop? Because acreage concerns and, and the talk of switching acres, if we get in the field early for corn, that kind of takes that momentum away for the beans. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, you, you know, There's been an assumption that the, the corn number was probably the highest one we're going to see all year. And that may still be true. But the 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 question is okay if if that was the high number are the the other acres going to prevent plant or are they going to soybeans and um, the assumption was kind of underlined that beans might inherit a few extra acres if 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 corn's going to get planted and and we're seeing excellent pro- planting progress across the corn belt this week uh, I think you're going to see uh, you know a little less certainty that you're getting those bean acres and therefore. Uh, stocks are fairly tight you still need to keep keep a good bit under the beans all right we'll stick around folks we come back we're going to take a look at what's going on in the wheat market also the talk that's been going on with russia what's going to happen with his may 18th deadline looming there in the forefront more is coming up it's the font now final bell on the rural radio network hey tom i see a Fontenelle sign there on your north 80 that corn looks pretty good well yeah my neighbors had good luck with Fontenelle, so i decided to give it a try they've been around for quite a while well sure have in the last three seasons Fontenelle's 15 top yielding corn products had over a nine bushel advantage over pioneers commercially available leading volume corn products wow that's impressive i'm thinking i might add some Fontenelle to my farm well just contact your local dealer or go to Fontenelle.com if you want more information read and follow pesticide label directions grain market Marketing and other stewardship practices. We're back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Should mention we're broadcasting today from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. As Alan Bruhler continues to join us for part two, and we left off kind of talking what was happening in the world of corn and beans, but what about from a wheat perspective? You made the comment before we started the program, and I think it sums it up just right. Wheat looks sick. Yeah, it's it really does. You, you had a nice little rally going into Kansas City, hard red because of uh, the, the declining crop conditions. That makes some sense. 
the, the wheat spreads, the, the hard red versus the soft red, are, are just extremely wide, in fact, record-wide just recently here. Um, which which raises one point, which is the soft red can, crop is actually in pretty good shape. But it, overall, wheat just acts sick here. You've got you've got uh, Russian and Ukraine wheat moving at very low price levels right now. Uh, the Russians aren't happy about the price level, and they're complaining that even though USDA's got them at record exports, they should be exporting more. Uh, the market's actually taking that as as, as truth. They're uh, kind of expecting more more flow out of Russia. I'm not uh, not sure about the uh, the Ukraine situation. I think there's some skepticism whether that's gonna, that corridor is going to be expanded past the 60 days. But uh, the wheat market certainly doesn't act like it, uh, it it's going to gain any business out of a Ukraine shutdown. So what happens if we don't have a deal, or they don't have a deal beyond that May 18th deadline? Well, it 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 it, it greatly uh, handicaps the Ukrainian exports. It, it puts them back to to shipping through uh, Poland and or in Romania, where they've had some success at increasing their volume through Romania here in the first quarter. I think about three and a half million tons of grain overall moved in the first three months through Constanta. But the point is that the um, we're not sure what would happen to the Russian exports if the deal shuts down. Okay, there, There's really no, no restriction on Russian exports now. It's all tied to the sanctions on the insurance and on the SWIFT payment system. Uh, the there's, the Russians are trying to get together with the Chinese and the Brazilians and some other people and, and come up with an alternative uh, payment system, get away from the dollar-denominated trades. Uh, that's all tied to the sanction, uh, squeezing the, the Russians. But I don't think you get the kind of price response that we did after the invasion. Okay, After the invasion, we had that huge run-up in wheat. That was... Uh, we're looking at the two of the largest exporters in the world and didn't know if we were going to get anything out of them. That was also a time when the Canadians had just had a drought the previous year and Australia's crop had been down the previous year. Uh, so, you know, things, availability was just really snug there. I think uh, we've now got Australia coming off a record wheat crop. You've uh, got a pretty good crop out of Canada last year. And uh, we've we've um, you know shuffled some of the supplies around globally. So while wheat stocks are still extremely tight as a percentage of use, if you exclude China, uh, and I think you need to, China's not going to export. Uh, you, you've still got uh, probably a little more balance than we had after the invasion. So I think we can get rallies if the corridor shuts down, and probably will, but it's not going to be. Uh, the the two or three dollar dynamic that we saw the, the last time around. I had uh, done some uh, reading and seen that there was just obviously they continue ongoing labor discussions when it comes to uh, West Coast ports, and that there's some fears from agriculture that because of these delays, they might see some issues in getting grain moved uh, from the Midwest out to Asia and in that vicinity. Have you heard any more chatter about that, or is it just kind of a, a little blurb that showed up on the radar? Well, there's there's definitely some issues with the port of, of Los Angeles. Uh, I, I haven't heard that it's really spread up into the PNW. Maybe it has, and I just didn't hear about it. But uh, the Los Angeles, Long Beach area, uh, they they were having problems with not enough people showing up for work, and then they were having to send the other people home because there wasn't any efficiency in operation. 
uh, yeah, that's that's the, the biggest port on the West Coast, and uh, it it affects us uh, for imports on containers, particularly. Um, more of the grain, I think, actually goes out of the PNW, but uh, UP does have some some rail into into Southern California, obviously. The uh, yeah, labor issues are, are tricky. Argentina continues to have them because they've got 100 percent inflation, and any wages you're paying are are uh, going down in real terms every month. Uh, you know that that that's something that I think we have to continue to watch is Brazil and Argentina and whether they they have labor issues as well. Well, lots of great things that we talked about today, Alan. What's the best way for folks to continue to have this conversation with you, maybe talk about some marketing opportunities as they get into this year's growing season? Oh, please, please give us a call, 402-697-3623. That's the main office number. Uh, visit our website to see more about our, our total set of offerings for farmers and agribusinesses. That's at www.brugler, B-R-U-G-L-E-R, marketing, all one word, dot com. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at Brugler MKTG, and uh, we have a Facebook page, too. All right, that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.